Well, it's uh, it's time, so I guess we'll get started. Chris, can you sh- can you nix the music, please? Chris, Chris. <laughs> and we have a piano player tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, thank you. Let's go ahead and start with a word of prayer. Our dear Father, we thank you for this evening, Lord. We uh, just, again, before, come before your throne of grace and thank you for your, uh, sen- your, your, sending the, your son to the cross for our sins, Lord. And uh, we just thank you for uh, just blessing us and uh, just be with us as we worship you and uh, learn, learn your word tonight. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to sing Like a River Glorious. Like a river glorious is God's perfect peace Over all victorious in its bright increase Perfect yet it floweth fuller every day Perfect yet it groweth deeper Like a river glorious is God's perfect peace over all victorious in its bright increase. Perfect yet it floweth fuller every day. Perfect yet it groweth deeper hand never foe can follow never traitor stand oh I'm sorry I messed up with the chorus Chris I thought I put it in there <laughs> thank you like a river glorious is God's perfect peace over all victorious in its bright increase. Perfect yet it floweth fuller every day. Perfect yet it groweth deeper all the way. Every joy or trial falleth from above traced upon our dial by the son of love I thank you like a river glorious is God's perfect peace over all victorious in its bright increase. Let's just do one more. Perfect yet it floweth fuller every day. Perfect
yet it groweth deeper all the way. Okay, where are we at? Okay. Oh, were we done? Oh, we're done. I guess we're done. Thank you. Amen. Yes. Thank you, Paul. Good evening, everyone. For our message this evening, please open your Bible in the book of Philippians, chapter 1. And we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. Okay, Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And allow me to read it. It says here, Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, from Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all of God's holy people in Christ Jesus, who live in the Philippi, including your overseer and deacons, grace and peace to you from God, our Father in the Lord Jesus Christ. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you, Lord, for this evening where we could ponder upon your word. Father, we ask for the Holy Spirit to enlighten us, Lord. As we uh, dig down to your word, we ask that you will reveal yourself, reveal the truth, Lord, as we continue to pursue and uh, strive, Lord, to be conformed to the image of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray, Lord, that you will bless our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, this evening, um, <clears throat> Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, is one of the most unusual greetings to a church from Paul. Because this is uh, one of the letters of Apostle Paul that Paul did not mention about his apostleship. If we're going to look at First Thessalonians, the book of Philippians, it wasn't mentioned there that Paul did not introduce himself as an apostle. But the rest of the letters, like uh, Book of Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Paul always mentioned the phrase called to be an apostle. The reason why is because he does not refer to himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ, because there's no need for him to defend his call from God, or no need for him to establish his authority as an agent of the Lord Jesus Christ. His relationship in the church of Philippi was just what it should be, a relationship founded and rooted in Jesus Christ and a love and respect for each other. And in this introduction of the book of Philippi, or Philippians, we could see here how Apostle Paul commend this church as an ideal church. It would give us an idea what is a healthy church. There is no such a perfect church, but at least a healthy church. In this passage, this greetings gives some outstanding distinctives of Christian believers. And it will remind us what are the characteristics of a healthy church. So as we dive to the passage, it says there, from Paul and Timothy, it says there. So the first characteristic of a healthy church is that a healthy church disciples young generation. It says there, Paul and Timothy. In the words Paul and Timothy, we see there a father and son relationship. Adult and the young person together. And there was a deep affection that bound between Paul and Timothy together. 
and that affection is found its root and purpose in the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ. Apostle Paul, as older as an adult, contributed the wisdom of experience and timidity, the hope and the vibrant energy of the youth. And we have to, to take note that the word adult or, or the name of Paul mentioned first. It would tell us that adult always hold a primary responsibility when it comes to taking hold of young people and making disciples of them. Because a lot of, a lot of churches right now are guilty of what we call uh, spiritual abortion. Now let me explain what, what does it mean. If we're going to look at the Great Commission, it says, they, it says there in that verse, Matthew 28, 19 to 20, it says, Go ye therefore and make disciples. If we're going to look at that passage, the main verb in that verse is make disciples. Meaning you go out to share the gospel with a purpose to disciple that person. So meaning it, it is implied for you to go out and share the gospel. But you have uh, intended purpose in mind to make disciples or to disciple that person. And a lot of churches right now are guilty of what we call spiritual abortion, that after they witness and the person got saved and they abandoned them. They don't do discipleship. So one of the signs or characteristic of a healthy church is a church that disciples young generation. We don't do a, what we call spiritual abortion. When a person gets saved, it is a responsibility to follow up, to disciple that believer. And now, therefore, the believer must always his, keep his focus upon finding young people and making disciples of them. We share the Lord Jesus Christ with intention to disciple them. It is not our responsibility to convict the person to accept the Lord Jesus Christ, but it is our responsibility to disciple that person if that person accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the question is how we can be effective disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, have an assurance of salvation. I know it's very familiar for us that you cannot give something you don't have. Am I right? Right? The same thing with discipleship. You know, you cannot, you cannot help somebody to grow in Christ if in the first place you don't have the Lord Jesus Christ or that person doesn't have the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's, it is important for us to make sure that that person or you as a person or as a believer or claim or with intention to disciple someone, you have to make sure that you have the Lord Jesus Christ first. And second, have a surrendered heart. There will be struggles. Enemy will oppose or persecute us because of what we do. But you have to remember Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. We need to surrender everything to the Lord. Our enemy will persecute us, will oppose us. Christian life is a war, and we need to surrender our hearts to the Lord. And third, in order for us to be effective disciple of the Lord Jesus is to have a willingness to learn. Somebody told me this, you cannot bring someone beyond where you are at. Meaning, have a willingness to learn. You cannot expect somebody or disciple somebody to be faithful if you are not faithful in the first place, right? 
You cannot bring somebody to this level of maturity if you are not there yet. You cannot bring someone beyond where you are at. And fourth, have a spiritual perspective. Brother and sister in Christ, helping someone to grow spiritually is the best help that you can offer to other believers. Help them to look at life the way God look at it. Have a spiritual perspective. And fifth, have a right motivation. You do it, we do this because it brings glory and honor to our God. Have a right motivation. So not only a healthy church disciples a young generation, but second, a healthy church serves Jesus Christ, really serves him. So it's, I always ask the young people every time we gather around, why you go to church? And of course, it's going to be, you know, mixed answer because of my mom, my grandma, because we've been here for a long time. That's why we're here every Sunday. But we go to church because of the Lord Jesus Christ. We go to church because of him. And it says there, bond servant of Jesus Christ. A healthy church serves the Lord Jesus Christ. If we're going to look at the word servant or bond servant, in original, it means a bond slave. And there is a distinct difference between a servant and a slave. And allow me to explain that. A servant is free to work for whomever he wishes. A slave is bought and purchased completely and totally owned by a master. A slave is bound by law to his master. Meaning, Apostle Paul called himself and Timothy a slave of Jesus Christ. If we're going to go back in their time and take a look at the slave market during their time, it would give us a clear understanding what it means to be slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, a slave was owned by his master, meaning he was totally possessed by his master. And this is what Paul meant. Paul was purchased and possessed by Christ. At a moment you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, you are bought with a prize, and that is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? It, meaning Christ had looked upon Apostle Paul and had seen his degraded and needful condition. And when Christ looked and the most wonderful thing happened, Christ loved him and bought him, and therefore he was now possession of Christ. And the same thing what happened to us. We are bought with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and now we are owned by the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only the slave was owned by his master, but also slave existed for his master, meaning he had no other reason for existence. He had no personal rights whatsoever. The same was true with Apostle Paul. He existed only for Christ. No wonder Paul mentioned, he said, for me to live is Christ, and to die for his sake is gain. His rights were the rights of the Lord Jesus Christ only. And do you think, as you walk in your Christian life, do you, do you have the same you know, perspective when it comes to Christian life? Do you consider yourself that you, are, you belong to Christ? Do you consider as yourself that you existed for a reason to glorify, to serve the Lord Jesus Christ in your life? Because third, the slave served his master, meaning 
he existed not only for Christ, but also he existed with the purpose of service. He was at the master's disposal any hour of the day. So Apostle Paul, he lived only to serve Christ hour by hour and day by day. You know what? I tried to explain this to the young people in order for them to have a pers- uh, uh, understanding. How many days in a week? Seven days. And in seven days, how many, how many days God is asking for us to spend time with him? Like, like one day, right? Sunday, let's say Sunday. And on Sunday, how many hours? Two to three hours? And the rest is yours, right? But some of the believers could not, you know, give that day and hours that God is asking us. And not only that slave was owned by his master, a slave existed for his master, a slave served his master, but for it, the slaves will belong to his master. He was allowed no will, no ambition, other than the will and ambition of the master. He was completely subservient to the master and owed total obedience to the will of the masters. Meaning, Apostle Paul belonged to Christ. And in the writings of Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 5, it says there, he fought and struggled to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So we can see there that Apostle Paul considered himself that he belonged to Christ. And last, the most precious thing that Paul meant by his being slave of the Lord Jesus Christ is that he meant that he had the highest and most honored and kingly profession in all the world. Men of God, the greatest men of history have always been called the servants of God meaning it was the highest title of honor. The believer's slavery to Christ is no cringing, cowardly, or shameful subjection, but it is the possession of honor, the honor that bestows upon a man the privilege and responsibility of serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords, right? We don't need to be ashamed to call ourselves the servant of Christ, because that is the highest title of honor that a person could have to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, right? Like, for example, Moses. Moses was a slave of God. Joshua, Joshua was a slave of God. David was a slave of God. Apostle Paul was a slave of Jesus Christ. James was a slave of God. Jude was a slave of God. The prophets were the slaves of God. And Christian believers are said to be the slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to remember this, brother and sister in Christ. The great need today is for men and women to become slaves of the Lord Jesus Christ. We must become his slaves and do what he says. Then and only then will the world be rich with the glorious news of eternal life. Then and only then will be the desperate need of the world be met at a moment that we consider ourselves as a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of John 12, 26, it says there, If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, and there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor him. Right? So not only a healthy church disciple the Lord, disciple young generation, 
and not only serve the Lord Jesus Christ, but third, a healthy church is full of true saints. It says there, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. So the believer never uses the word saints to refer a few people in the church who achieve a unusual spiritual maturity. But the word saints refers to the sanctified or holy ones, meaning to be set apart and to be separated. Meaning every believer who has truly trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior is separated from the world and set apart to live for God. Every true believer is a saint, a person set apart unto God. And there are three stages of sanctification. Number one, there is what we call a possessional sanctification, meaning when a person believes in Jesus Christ, he is immediately set apart for God once and for all permanently. You are set apart for the glory of God. You are set apart for the master's use to fulfill his plan and his will. Meaning, meaning your, your life is no longer should serve the world, but to serve God. You are set apart to follow God. You are set apart for the glory of God. You are set apart for the will of God. You are set apart to fulfill the plan of God. So that is what we call possessional sanctification. In Hebrews 10 and 10, it says, by which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Meaning once you are, you are saved, you are set apart once and for all. Meaning there is no, no possibility that somebody going to snatch you or take you and to, set, to, you know, to set apart to somebody. But you are set apart to serve and to live for God. And second, there's what we call progressive sanctification. The true believers make a determined and disciplined effort to allow the Holy Spirit of God to set him apart day by day to be conformed in the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the reason why we're here. That's the reason why God, at the moment of salvation, God did not take us to go to heaven, right? Because God wants us, there's something that God wants us to fulfill, and that is to be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, day by day. And it takes determination and discipline to do that. Christian life is a war. There's a battle against Satan, old nature, influence of the world, and we need to fight and discipline ourselves to be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ every day. Christian life is a battle. It's a battle. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, it says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and the body be preserved, it says they're blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. That's what we call progressive sanctification. And third, there's what we call eternal sanctification. The day is coming when all the believers will be perfectly set apart unto God in his service without any sin or failure whatsoever. The day will be the great and glorious day for all the believers' eternal redemption. 
Brother and sister in Christ, we need to remember that we are the property of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are bought with a price. And it says there, therefore, glorify God in your body. We are the property of the Lord Jesus Christ, set apart as his holy possession. Let us therefore live as a possession of the Lord. Let us walk as separated people of God, living holy and righteous and pure lives. And we need to understand that separation is not isolation. Because somebody asked me, one of the youth, you know, they, they acted like adults too. So how are you going to witness somebody if you're going to live a separated life? If you're going to separate yourself to others, how are you going to win them? How are you going to share the Lord Jesus Christ? We need to understand that separation is not isolation, but it is a contact without contamination. Meaning we don't let the world to contaminate us, believers, right? We separate ourselves so that they won't contaminate us. They won't influence us, but instead we influence them. So separation is not isolation, but it is a contact without contamination. And fourth, a healthy church organizes for ministry. It says there, with the bishops and deacons. And I tried to look at all the letters of Apostle Paul to different churches. And only the book of Philippians, where Apostle Paul mentioned uh, the leaders or the bishops and deacons. I tried to look at, like, in the book of Corinthians, Romans. It's not in there. Only the book of Philippians, where Apostle Paul, Apostle Paul commends these leaders. You have to note that bishop and deacons are mentioned as being in the Philippian church. And what Apostle Paul is doing is to addressing the leaders of the church of Philippi setting them apart from membership will be addressed as saints. It means that the leaders and officers of the early church are here named, and that is bishop and deacons. And the point of this passage is that believers organize us for ministry, meaning the church exists for ministry. The church exists to minister both to believers and unbelievers. That's why we have uh, five function of the church, right? The church exists for worship, fellowship, evangelism, discipleship, discipleship, service. Now the question is, we can only accomplish this if we have, number one, leaders who led by example. That's why Apostle Paul mentioned bishop and deacons here, because Apostle Paul commend their work in the lives of the Philippian church, because these leaders live a life, a good example before the believers. And not only that, we need a leaders who lead by example, but also a members that support their leaders. In order for the church to reach its goal, it should have a supportive members. And members that are not only supportive, but also devoted to God's work. We as members, we need to understand that each one of us is important in the body of Christ. Every believer is also a minister. You know what? Ministry is not just for the deacons and pastors. No, it's for everybody. It's for, for all the believers. Every believer is also a minister. 
As God's people, we need to help our leaders to accomplish what God entrusted to us. And how we can be a supportive members of the church. I want you to remember the one another's verses in the New Testament. And Apostle Paul lists a lot of one another's verses in the Bible or in the New Testament. But let me give you uh, 11 instead of 59 verses. I, I'll give you 11. In order for us to be a supportive members, we need to, number one, bear one another's burden. Galatians 6, 2. Second, encourage one another. And that's 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. We need to honor one another above yourself. Romans 12, 10. Live in harmony with one another. Romans 12, 6. Stop passing judgment on one another. That's Romans 14, 13. Accept one another. Romans 15, 7. Serve one another. Galatians 5, 13. Be kind and compassionate with one another. Ephesians 4, 32. Forgive one another. Ephesians 4, 32. Edify one another. Romans 14, 19. Love one another. John 13, 34. And we're going to, to summarize that in short, we need to follow the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. If you want to be a supportive members, to support your leaders in order for us to accomplish what God entrusted to us or what God wants us to do, we need to be like Christ. We need to have the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ. And last, a healthy church not only disciples young generation, this a healthy church serves the Lord Jesus Christ. A healthy church is full of the true saints. A healthy church organizes for ministry, but last, a healthy church experiences grace and peace. It says they Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother and sister in Christ, we are saved by grace. Therefore, we must live by grace. But the question is, what does it mean when you say live by grace? Number one, to live in humility. I know a lot of people hate that word, right? But as believers, as we think about our salvation, it will bring our knees down before God for his greatness, love, sacrifices, and mercy, right? Meaning not to be prideful, to acknowledge God in every success, achievement, accomplishment we have in life. Not only to live in humility, but also to live with total dependence upon God. As we think of our salvation, it will remind us of his wisdom, sovereignty, and power. Let us therefore be sensitive to the presence of God in our lives, to let God lead the way, to let God decide for you, to let God direct your life and your future. And second, not only we're saved by grace and we must live by grace, but also we experience the true peace and serve the God of peace, therefore we must be a channel of peace. And what does it mean, number one, to bring people to Christ? Only the Lord Jesus Christ could set us free from sin and death. We are reconciled with the Father because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Am I right? And we need to tell other people about that. 
that Jesus Christ died on the cross. He was crucified between the heaven and earth to reconcile, to bring peace between God and man. That's the purpose why Jesus Christ died on the cross, to reconcile us to God. If we're going to look at the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ embraced the wrath of the Father over sin for you and for me in order for us to be reconciled with him. So not only to bring people to Christ, but also to be united in Christ, meaning to have the same mind and same heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. As God's people, we need to be a good example in living a life of peace. A life of peace. But sad to say, a lot of believers, they rather choose not to act as a believer. You know what? It is not only, I've been in different churches that they deal with their problems not in a Christian way. I don't understand that. Right? Right? And, and I talked to one of the teachers at Grace Point, and the same problem too. Why we as Christians, we don't deal with our problem in a Christian way. If we claim that we are Christians, why not deal in a Christian way, right? But in order for us to live a life, a channel of peace, we need to be united in Christ. As God's people, we need to be a good example living a life of peace. Our life should manifest and promote the peace of Christ, the peace of God. And the secret for it is that to have the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is understandable that we have different opinions when it comes to certain things, right? We, de- we have different experiences in life. We, de- we have different uh, perspective in life. But just imagine if we have the same mind, and that is the mind of Christ. Do you think, is there any disagreement with that? No, there's going to be unity, right? Because we have the same mind. That's why Apostle Paul encouraged the churches to have the same mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you. Let the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ in order for us to live in unity and harmony. Now, as I close, I want you to ask yourself, am I helping this church not to be a perfect church, but to be a healthy church? Am I helping this church to be a healthy church to the community, to the people around us, you know, to the people who do not believe in God? Now, I want you to ask yourself, if there is somebody who could judge you, and that is yourself, right? If there is somebody who could say, you're not helping this church to be a healthy church, and that is you who could say that words yourself. Now, I want you to examine yourself. Let's be honest before God. Like, like Apostle Paul word, the use hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is kind of like, like back in their time, they used wax to cover the cracks of the jar, right? So like if the, the jar is defective, they're going to use a wax and cover it and paint it again. And what other do in order for the buyer to determine if it, there's no defect or there's something in it, they're going to expose it to the sun for, for an hour and let the wax 
uh, melt. It will reveal the cracks. And the same thing, the same thing with the, the word of God would tell us we're going to expose ourselves to the word of God and God will reveal the cracks of our life and let God fix that. We cannot fix that. It's only by the grace of God. And I want you to be honest to yourself. Are you helping this church to be a healthy church? And this is the challenge for us. Are you willing to disciple other people? Are you willing to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you willing to live a sanctified life for Christ? Are you willing to support the ministry that God entrusted to this church? Are you willing to support your leaders? Are you willing to live a life that promotes grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ? Brother and sister in Christ, if you're not going to take it seriously, if you're not going to make a decision tonight, this message will be in vain. We're just going to leave this church the same person the way we enter it or the way we enter this church. Hopefully tonight will be a challenge for us. It is God's desire for us to grow, right? And the only thing that we will grow if we're going to allow God and obey what the Bible says. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you, Lord, for reminding us what it means to live as God's people. Help us, Lord, and we believe it's only by your grace that we will be able to help this church to be a healthy church. And each one of us, Lord, as part of the body is important. And we pray, Lord, that you will touch our hearts tonight, that we will not leave this church unchanged, that we will make a decision to help this church to be a healthy church. That's what your word says about what are the characteristics of a healthy church, that we're going to be willing to disciple the young generation. We're going to give our time, our life to disciple others, that we're going to serve you, that we, we go to church, we study your word, because we want to know you and we want to serve you, Lord. And we pray also, Lord, that you will continue to change us as we submit ourselves to our leaders, as we cooperate and support the ministry that you entrusted in this church. And also we pray that our life will live, we will live a sanctified life, Lord. That you set apart, set apart us, Lord, once and for all for your honor and glory. And we pray, Lord, that no other will be glorified, exalted in our lives but you. Also we pray, Lord, that you will help us, that our lives will promote the peace and the grace that we experience from you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Jasper, excellent job. I think he's been listening. <laughs> Jasper's been studying really, really hard. He's doing a great job. But he's chicken when it comes to doing the prayer request. <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and do that for him so he's not uh, put out by that. So Rafi, would you grab a mic? Okay, so we'll try to sing. Uh... 
God will take care of you. <laughs> Elaine, you ready? Uh, Chris, are we ready? Uh, two verses, two verses. Okay. Be not dismayed, whatever betide, God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide, God will take care of you. God will take care of you through every day or all the way. He will take care of you. God will take care of you through days of toil when hearth doth fail. God will take care of you. When dangers fierce your path assail, God will take care of you. God will take care of you through every day or all the way. He will take care of you. God will take care of you. Hmm. Let's pray. Our dear Father, we uh, thank you for this evening, Lord. We thank you for uh, your word. And we thank you for Pastor Jasper who brought it to us. And Lord, we pray for all of these uh, uh, infirmities and health and requests, Lord, uh, that you would be, your will would be done in every one of them, Lord. And uh, we pray that you would be with us as we go our separate ways and uh, protect us, Lord. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Some glad morning when this life is o'er, I'll 